He'll be mighty glad after we've saved him from the clutches of that horrible adventurous. Do you suppose she has a past? Where did you get those wild ideas? Oh, uh, out of a magazine I found on the steamer. Oh! I should be blamed for everything your mother will discharge oh, me. Oh, no, she won't, Martha. I explained everything in the note we left. Besides, I'm grown up, and I suppose we have a right to see our father every ten years. I wonder what he's really like. Hello, and welcome to The Screen Test of Time, the podcast where we watch every movie ever nominated for Best Picture. I'm Susan Raslin. I'm David Daw. And this is our final podcast for the 1936 nominees. And this week, we finished it out with Three Smart Girls. That's the name of the movie. Not that that wasn't like what we were doing. And honestly, Susan, let's get into it right now. How many smart girls do you believe are in this film? Uh, do you think we get up to three? I mean, I'm gonna hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna say, well, <laughs> what this one <laughs> of the three sisters, one of them I have absolutely no understanding of whether or not she's intelligent because she doesn't seem to be working on their scheme at all. Yeah. She's just pretty and blonde and the oldest. The other thing is, and, and this is something that you and I've talked about at length, because I don't know the age of any of the women or the girls, I'm sorry, in this movie. Or possibly women. It's really hard to say. Or, or women for that. Yeah, I mean, they could be. I don't know. Because, like, their behavior and choices, if they're 13, are definitely very precocious. If they're 19, then it's kind of uh, not. Yeah. And sort of childish. But also then, why are they kissing businessmen. Yeah. So, <laughs> I don't know what's going on. We should on. probably really briefly go into this plot of this film. I would like to try it, because I watched this movie two days ago and forgotten almost everything. Oh, okay, great. Sort of broad strokes, it's the parent trap. But there's three of them, and you never really care about the mom after the first ten minutes. They find that their divorced father is going to remarry a younger socialite in America, they've been living with their mother since forever. It's not really clear. And decide to go to America to stop their dad's marriage. Uh, luckily, it turns out that the socialite is a horrible money-grubbing harpy, which makes things a lot easier because it doesn't seem like most of them have any plans at any point, except to just kind of be disruptive at dinner parties. And then th her father's, like, financial advisor, I think, think question mark yeah he is comes up with a plan where they're going to bring in another rich guy so that the fiance goes after him instead of the father there's a mistaken identity plot with the weird drunken count that's supposed to do this and an extremely handsome member of royalty that's fallen in love with one of the girls who's also still a real jerk though then eventually that plan works question mark God, Susan, the last 10 minutes of this movie, I've watched it three times. It just, the, then it just kind of, the plot resolves. Everybody just decides to do the thing that they were told to do an hour ago, and it all works out. And then the mom comes across to America, and the dad waves at her, and that's the end of the movie. Yep. Which, boy, I know that that was probably confusing to hear. 
But honestly, the resolution of this movie is so confusing to watch because you just go, that's it? That worked? Shouldn't this have been a scene? I have to say this movie is in its own way quite charming when it is not utterly baffling because, well, I mean, one, like the stakes are, who cares? The dad hasn't seen the kids in 10 years, which they say like, oh, I haven't seen my kids in 10 years. So I'm like, all right, so he's kind of a shit dad. Who cares? Yeah. And probably wasn't a great husband either if he's just been like, yeah, I have three young children and I just don't ever see them at all. Right. Like one of the sort of vital things that makes the parent trap work is that you have a sense of the parent's relationship and why they should get back together. And in this one, you don't because the mom disappears after the first five minutes. And most of your time spent with the dad is like, at best, this dude's an idiot. In at his oh, at best, <laughs> at his <laughs> at worst, he's like a, a total neglectful monster. Yeah, uh... there's that part of it, and then the fiance is like, I mean, is she a gold digger? She's not developed that much. Her mom seems to be the one who is the gold digger and who is like constantly berating her for being you know, not good enough to lock up this rich man. Well, I mean, she certainly has no actual affection for their father and is very willing to jump ship to another dude. Like, yeah. Oh, sure. But like, she also seems to be in a horribly codependent relationship with an awful abusive mother. (laughs) Oh, for sure. This movie loudly announces who you're supposed to be rooting for in every scene and then doesn't really care if, like, they're a terrible person or the person that you're supposed to think is a horrible person is actually in a really bad spot and didn't do anything wrong. Right. The whole mistaken identity plot hinges on the guy you're supposed to eventually be happy one of the three smart girls is going to marry. Like... Just being a terrible gaslighting shit to her for days on end because he thinks it's kind of funny. Yeah, he totally goes with the whole mistaken identity thing and never refutes it or sets the record straight. I guess because he, I mean, he's like the worst irony bro of all time. Yeah. Because he's like, oh yeah, that's definitely me. Yep, I definitely have taken your money and uh, you're definitely paying me to like try to break up your dad's relationship with this chick. Uh Uh-huh, that's all definitely happening. And you're like, so I'm supposed to feel good about the fact that he gets together with one of these girls? Which, by the way, I looked up the ages of the actors because I was like, maybe that will give us some idea of how old they were. First off, their actual ages do not line up with even oldest, middle, and youngest, do they? No, no, they don't. Um, <laughs> not terribly. I mean, the youngest is Deanna Durbin or Deanna Durbin. Oh, you mean Universal's newest discovery? <laughs> yes. The singing 13-year-old who is, if she didn't sing, would be so impossible to tell apart from the middle daughter they're the same height they look basically the same they have the exact same hairstyle it's like they look slightly different in the face but that's about it so she is actually the oldest one uh when the movie came out she would have been 19 then the eldest daughter aka the tallest daughter (laughs) was 18 when the movie came out so Uh, sure 
but also is that are they and how is the guy who is his dad's financial advisor like why is he running after an 18 year old (laughs) there's so much of that it seems almost weird to me to harp on this because just no one is anything like everybody is just whatever the scene demands In having the singular property of Sings, the youngest daughter is probably the most developed character of the entire film. Right. Yeah. (laughs) It's not that I don't agree with you that it's really weird that all of these clearly adult men are hitting on these, like, at best childlike women. Well, I mean, they have this scene where they're in their dad's gym, I guess. And they're all wearing these like little shorts and stuff. And and it's like, those are, that's clothing for children. Yeah. It's not like, they're not, they're not grown. <laughs> and it's very, very unsettling. And there's a lot of like close up shots of early on the English aristocrat guy who is the mistaken Eastern European count. And then Bill Evans, who is the financial advisor like leering at the daughters and we're supposed to be like oh isn't it romantic they're like getting a crush on them and i'm like no it's creepy as hell yeah though again if you told me the oldest daughter was supposed to be 26 in this i'd believe you yeah and that they were doing some weird arrested development thing with the way they all dress and act like they've all been living with their mother in this like weird european estate for 10 years and have, like, never met boys or some shit, which still isn't great. (laughs) No. Well, it's very strange because, again, all that we have to go on, like you were saying, is that the scene will announce what role everyone will be playing for this part of the story, while not actually, like, building a movie to support that. (laughs) Which, I'm talking about this movie like I hated it, and I didn't. I mean, it was, like, utterly forgettable. There was a moment that I thought was good, which was uh, there is a black maid character in the movie, because of course there is. But one, she doesn't have some sort of like awful stereotypical dialogue. She has two lines which are spoken like she's a, a normal human being. And the only person who is mean to her is the villain, like the unquestionable villain, which is the mom of the new fiance who is just a monster all the time so it's like okay well one thing i could say about this movie is that being mean to a black woman is framed as villainous yeah there's things to recommend this film it's just so slight and so honestly weird kind of my usual weird it feels kind of too kind to it it's not that deep (laughs) There's some odd stuff in here. It is very strange that this is referred to as a musical when it's a musical the way that like going over to like a dinner party and somebody's daughter randomly singing would be a musical. (laughs) That is actually the context in which the youngest daughter sings is like, well, now it's time to talk about how our sister has a great voice. And then she will sing an entire three-minute song. And you're like, well, okay. that Sure. She does have a great voice. Yeah, but it is it is weird that it is supposed to be a musical when the musical element is three separate points throughout the movie. Where somebody goes, you, you can't sing. And she goes, yes, I can. And sings a whole song. 
<laughs> yeah, you would think like after a few bars, people would be like, yeah, okay, you're right. Fair Again, enough. Not, you know, by all Especially means. the third times when it's... <laughs> The third time when it's literally a police station, you would think they would go like, also, we have to solve murders. <laughs> but yes, we agree we were wrong that you can't say. She she runs away at a certain point and the police pick her up and she goes into the station and tries to tell them that she is an opera singer who is going to be singing at the Met and that their immediate reaction is not, you're 13. <laughs> and like, that's the end of the story. Was again another one of those moments where I'm like, how old is everybody? <laughs> it is a totally flimsy movie. That's a good word for it. It's not unpleasant. No, it's it's the Chinese food of movies. You completely forget that, like, honestly, if I didn't have the Wikipedia page in front of me, I would not be able to name a single character. I could, you know, give you the plot overview, but the name of any character. I might remember Bill Evans, because people say Bill Evans so much in this friggin' movie. Isn't that like a like a restaurant chain? That makes sense. I don't really remember that, but I do, yeah. It's like pizza. Like, even bad pizza is still good pizza. That's this movie. Yeah. It is also so not filling. I, I had real trouble even watching the movie, remembering... Whose plot is this? Which one is she in love with? Is this the one that sings? Like, it's, and it's not, I, you're right that the, like, younger two look similar to each other, but it's honestly just that, like, nothing is ever established about anybody and nothing has any stakes. And so I would just kind of look up and, like, wait for the movie to remind me why I'm supposed to care about any of these people. It is kind of like every one of the daughters has a single personality trait, and those personality traits are as follows. Youngest daughter's personality trait can sing middle daughter's personality trait is really hyper and gets upset easily and will talk herself into being upset eldest daughter's personality trait pretty yeah (laughs) that's it that's how you know the girls and also like that's kind of generous to the movie in that also the middle daughter's personality trait is sometimes the youngest daughter's personality trait they do both get really hyper and like talk themselves into being upset so it is like there's the singing one the non-singing one and the blonde that is actually a more accurate uh description the one that sings the one that does it the blonde one and literally the eldest daughter's only personality trait is blonde yeah She doesn't even seem to have any real input on this whole plan where they're going to get somebody to fake being rich and tear the fiance away, which, by the way, doesn't end up really working because at a certain point, because they think that it is this other guy who is from England and he decides that he's going to stand her up. She basically, like, throws herself back at the dad, and they decide they're going to get married the next day. Right, but then it reworks because the middle daughter that doesn't sing gets really upset with him for gaslighting her for the whole movie. (laughs) And he goes, oh, I guess I should make some modicum of effort to do literally anything. And he, like, just calls her up and goes, like, hey, I have some tickets to, like, a boat. You want to get on a boat with me? And that works. And then he doesn't end up going on the boat. The former fiance and the mom are on the boat, discover that he's not there. And then I guess are like, 
that's it. Now they're going over to England on the Queen Mary. And then he shows up at the door while non-singing daughter is having a total like meltdown about how he actually ran off with them. And while doing so, runs smack into him to the point where she kisses him because he showed up to tell her that he wasn't going. Except that it doesn't even really feel like he showed up to tell her he wasn't going. It was that it had never occurred to him that he needed to do that. He just wanted to see her. Also, to be fair, I have no idea why she immediately jumps to that conclusion. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's fair. So yeah, are there three smart girls in this? I, I... I mean, I would say that the youngest daughter perhaps qualifies because this whole plan is rather precocious for a 13-year-old, which is the age that Deanna Durbin was when this was made. And the youngest daughter is also the only one that seems to, like, ever have any kind of a plan. Mm -hmm. Now, usually the plan is I'm going to jump on a bed above my dad's dinner party until he calls off his marriage. So it's not (laughs) a great plan. She's 13. You know, she one, she's 13. And two, what are the blonde one and the non-singing one doing? Because they're just standing there until a random financial advisor hits on them and gives them a plan. (laughs) Did they not think of anything on the boat? They had a whole boat ride over to figure out literally anything to do to break up their dad's impending marriage. That's true. They did literally leave in order to do that. And they didn't come up with a plan while they were on the boat. Yeah, the plan was basically uh, seemingly just to show up. And pester their dad until he forgets to get married. (laughs) Hey, remember how you used to love mom? Hey, 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 dad, hey, dad, hey, dad, hey, dad. Do you remember how you used to love mom? And at no point is anyone like, hey, so um, your mom and I got divorced for a reason. It wasn't just like an accident that happened. Yeah. (laughs) It's been 10 years. They're all like 14. 14d4 years old (laughs) and it's like very so wildly like from scene to scene because there are definitely scenes that are like these three girls have literally never seen a man before in their entire lives and then there are scenes where it's like well i guess she's 27 and engaged to be married (laughs) yeah it's really confusing it's very confusing it's also like kind of entertaining to watch i guess but as long as you just click off the part of your brain that wants there to be any cohesion in a film it's it's definitely not the kind of thing that i would ever expect to be nominated for an academy award for best picture and not in a way where it's i mean this is certainly not the worst movie we've seen from 1936 but it is so not a best picture nominee right it's like not even trying for that you know no it makes so much sense to me that there are like two sequels to this and it's like a whole thing but like as a movie on its own it is carried by this like infectious energy of the three girls being like let's go to stop dad so that you never really think about like what's the plan to stop dad what are we what is anyone doing because like if you ever look down at any point the movie falls apart. Right. It is surprising how well it holds together from you just never having that urge. It's just immediately upon the film ending, you go, wait, what just happened? And like, do they succeed? It's just that their mom comes over from Switzerland and like says, you know, hello to their dad. And then the movie ends. And it's like, well, I guess you succeeded in getting them 
onto the same continent. The growth of the father is that he seems to remember he has three daughters. <laughs> and not that he, like, remembers why he fell in love with their mother in the first place or something. And it's funny to me, actually, that the movie wants you to think that this man who has not seen his children for a decade, I cannot stress this enough, all that he has to do is, like, have a couple of nights where he's like, oh, you're a sweet little girl and you're fun and nice and, and I like you, to be like, oh, well, actually, he's a good dad. And I'm like, no, that's, no, he's a terrible dad. <laughs> like, any fucking, nobody, like, deadbeat dad could do that. Yeah, it's literally... The standard of being a good dad is when your fiance's terrible harpy mother says, send your daughters you haven't seen for 10 years who just got here today back to Europe tomorrow. He doesn't do it. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, actually, he's a really good dad. <laughs> what? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, there's like not anything else to say about this movie. Oh, well, there's some really beautiful costumes in it. Benny Barnes, who plays the slightly evil but less evil than her mother, fiance, wears some absolutely gorgeous gowns. The tall, handsome white dudes are tall and handsome. Uh, yeah, it's it, it's it is very flimsy, and it is a little slip of a film filled with a lot of good-looking people doing a lot of nonsense. I get why the movie was made. I get why it was popular. I do not get why it was nominated for an Academy Award. And I will not remember anything about it in two days. Yeah, that's that seems about right. Score for this movie? Like... Oh, I thought you were talking about the musical score. And I was like, yeah, they do sing songs. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta tell you, I couldn't name one, don't remember anything about them. It was just like, oh yeah, that girl has a really pretty voice. Yeah, I feel like just like, it's uh, five, five. Five, it's a five. The five of I don't care. <laughs> like, that's honestly like... It's the five of this was fine, it was completely inoffensive, uh, it was not terribly good, but also like, there's nothing to recommend it, and there is nothing that I that I feel morally opposed to. Except for, you know, I feel morally opposed to the dad, but the movie doesn't care. And the girls seem to be like, yeah, this is fine. Just no one has an internal life in this film. Yeah. Should you watch it? Um. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> if you wanna. Like, honestly, just maybe, maybe just watch The Parent Trap. Yeah, The Parent Trap is way better. <laughs> I'm, I'm not- gonna... Either one. Yeah. <laughs> So to uh, expand out then to the rest of the movies in this year and to decide if the Academy chose correctly. Right. We should note, because it's been a while since we watched this movie, that The Great Zigfield was the winner for this year. And I uh, I think that I, I think I can speak for both of us when I say that I think they chose incorrectly. <laughs> yes, I think this is the first example of the Academy picking a movie effectively about itself, about the entertainment industry, because it really loves stories about the great men of, you know, whatever, because it's just it's so... Nothing. The Great Zigfield. Well, it's two and a half hours. I wouldn't say that it's nothing, but it's not good. Yeah, I guess nothing isn't the right way to phrase it. I just think there's nothing really to recommend The Great Zigfield besides the fact that it was made. <laughs> 
Yeah. Clearly that's supposed to be the impressive achievement and that's what impressed the Academy. But it's not like any part of it was particularly good or worthy of awards. It's just they made this biopic. They did it. If there was a best musical number award, then the wedding cake number is is very impressive. It's very impressive. You're right. I'd kind of forgotten the wedding cake sequence, and it is very good. But that's like 10 minutes of a two and a half hour movie. (laughs) Oh, yeah, for sure. (laughs) But it also feels like that's what they gave the Oscar to, was the 10 minutes of a two and a half hour movie. Honestly, I think we're still looking at, like, top third for Great Ziegfeld. Like, definitely, I, uh, should we do our thing where, like, what five movies should have been nominated from this year? Uh, Mr. Deeds Goes to Town, obviously. Yes. Tale of Two Cities, which was also very good. Uh, Libeled Lady, I would say. Yeah, which, yeah, I would say that too. Uh, I, I, Story of Louis Pasteur, I'll, I'll give oh, them that. Oh, I, mm. I'd put three smart girls over story of Louis Pasteur, to be honest with you. That was going to be my, that was going to be my fifth anyway, because the rest. Yeah. Dodsworth, fuck that movie so hard. <laughs> Fucking Anthony Adverse. Oh my God. And that one. It was terrible. Romeo and Juliet was absolutely just embarrassingly bad. Yeah. San Francisco was, no, no. So really like all that's left is story of Louis Pasteur. <laughs> I actually wouldn't put Great Ziegfeld in there at all. I I might swap it out for Story of Louis Pasteur. I might. But it's it's a real close one thing. And like, honestly, I don't really care that much about either of them. Like, I'd just kind of stop at four. (laughs) Yeah. Or three. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, honestly, like, the only movies in this year that I would even begin to recommend people watch would be Mr. Deeds Goes to Town, which is excellent, and everyone should watch it right now. Yeah. Again, if you took our recommendation after that episode, go watch it again anyway. Tale of Two Cities, which actually was really good. Yeah. It was beautifully acted and well-directed and was a really good movie. And Libeled Lady, for all of its, like, confusingness, was, I mean, it was funny. Yeah. I guess. <laughs> You got to watch William Powell and Myrtle Lloyd do what they do best, which is play off of each other in a room. Could have used more of it, but it was, you know, it was fine. Yeah. I guess. It was a six. I'm just really coming to grips with how little I cared about this year in cinema. Yeah. That, like, besides Mr. Deeds Goes to Town, I liked A Tale of Two Cities a great deal, but, like, honestly, if those were the only two films made (laughs) in 1936... Yeah, it would have been fun. Yeah. Yeah, I, I. so obviously the one that should have won was Mr. Deeds Goes to Town. Oh, for sure. Just generally, I think we are discovering that Frank Capra is like the Hollywood MVP of the 30s. It's kind of amazing because it's like, he's the only one who knows how to make a movie. Yeah, it's wild. <laughs> and he like really, really knows. Like he is so far ahead of everybody else. That it's amazing. I think one of the reasons I am including Libeled Lady, even though I feel like we kind of shit-talked it a lot in the actual Libeled Lady episode, is like, oh, thank God somebody's finally trying to rip off Frank Capra. God, I've been waiting. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. They don't do a great job. No, but- (laughs) But, like, at least somebody's trying. (laughs) That ends up being such a great example of how, like, even when people try to rip off Frank Capra, he's so far ahead that they don't really get it and know how. Yeah. It's really remarkable, and it's 
Well, it, it's like that Onion article that I sent you that one of our fans sent us on Mastodon that said uh, public still infuriated that Cavalcade won over Lady for a Day in 1933. And I, yeah, I mean, Frank Capra was so far ahead of his time that he made a cute little romantic comedy that ended up having a lot to say about class and poverty and was better than a grand historical epic. Yeah. I can't say I'm super excited to move on to 1937. I, there's some stuff in there that I that is exciting to me. I mean, our recurring guest star of A Star is Born for the first time. The first of, like, five A Star is Borns so we're going to have to watch. It's actually the only other one that was nominated. Really? Believe it or not. Yeah. The 70s one didn't get nominated? The 70s one didn't get nominated. The Judy Garland one did not get nominated. Wild. Right? <laughs> we do get our first Humphrey Bogart movie, which is like... I'm okay with that. Yeah. I don't know. There's interesting stuff in here, but we're still waiting for the 1939 year when, like, more than one person knows how to make a movie. <laughs> oh, that'll be nice. Yeah. That'll be nice. <sighs> we're only 20 weeks away. We're gonna get to it before the end of the year, so that's something. Yeah, that's exciting. We do have a Frank Capra movie in 1937. Oh, we do? Uh, Lost Horizon. Oh. Which is apparently a fantasy film. Mm. I'm excited to see the Frank Capra fantasy film. And we have another Deanna Durbin movie. Maybe it will be also incredibly confusing. Or maybe it'll be great. Is it Four Daughters? No. It is called 100 Men and a Girl. Oh. Like, I'm not even touching that. Yeah. (laughs) It's too obvious. I just really loved the idea that all the sequels to Three Smart Girls just added smart girls. <laughs> Four smart girls. Five smart girls. Ah, ah, ah. Yeah, but next week we are starting 1937 with The Good Earth, which uh, is is definitely a movie. And, and we can talk about it in detail next week. <laughs> I don't know why I did such a weary sigh. I know nothing about this movie. I think it's that it sounds enough like a sci-fi movie, but I know it's not a sci-fi movie that I just had this momentary disappointment. <laughs> uh, that it like that it isn't like the day the earth stood still. Right, right. I mean, I do know some things about it that are definitely sigh-worthy, but I think that we will we'll get to those next week because you know we have to we have to build suspense i guess yeah until then (laughs) right until then uh this was kind of a this was a year in film and and i guess three smart girls it was a movie it has been it has been 10 minutes of us discussing the other films from 1937 i no longer remember anything about it i cannot tell you if three smart girls is a movie or not Uh, goodbye, everybody. Children, there's something that I must tell you. Yes, Daddy? Uh, uh, good night. Pleasant dreams.